grave danger. Is there another kind? You see, the useful idiots that the Soviet Union, that Lenin put into America, are now the useful idiots from the Chinese. U.S. President Joe Biden, who has had another week of gaffes, confused moments. Uh, uh, They're coming down on America like Pac-Man, eating us up alive. They're acting more as propagandists. Also, the science has changed. You know the Pac-Man game? Think of a Pac-Man game out of control. Sucking away at the foundation of America. If Russia pursues its aggression, it will face the massive consequences that... Because if they don't want you to believe something and they can cast doubt... We have no intention of fighting Russia. Sometimes confusion can actually be the goal. The goal. The goal. And as we've said all along... Confusion can actually be the goal. I can't tell you how many times this weekend, and it was a long... Easter weekend, and I hope you had a good one. Speaking out with JR, there were millions of times over the weekend that I was so compelled to get on the air. I had to go on the air. I just, I couldn't wait for Monday. And, and partly because I spent so much time with my in-laws over the weekend and they just love MSNBC. So it was on in the background and you couldn't help but to watch it. And it just gave me so much food for thought. I, I just, I never watch MSNBC because I can't stand just like for the same reasons I can't watch Fox News because I don't like being propagandized to uh, uh, on every issue. It's like they literally do tell everybody how to think about every issue. Every issue is very black and white. And if it is the springboard for either all of the ideological uh, pur- puritanical wokeism that is wrong with this country, they're Every 10 minutes, it's almost like they have five subjects and they just rotate them. They, uh, anything to do with racism, anything to do with trans, anything to do with guns, abortion, and uh, uh, what else? Uh, you know, Trump. There you go. That, that's it. Trump, abortion, and then it's on to transgender rights, and then it's gun control and race. And you can tie a thread through those five subjects and they just rotate them. And then they just bring in their normal cadre of experts and political hacks. And if you're in, if you've taken a position on those five subjects and you're in harmony, man, that's like you can't turn it off. So the latest that you'll be hearing about, if you were to flip over, is about the shooter in downtown Louisville that killed four people, including two friends of the governor, and wounded at least nine others Monday, according to authorities. This comes from the Associated Press. The shooting, the 15th mass killing. In the country this year, uh, 160 miles to the south of, of Nashville, where there was yet another shooting. The state's governor and his wife also had friends in that shooting. So it's getting more common, I guess, that more and more people are getting shot that we know about or getting harmed in some way. Police in Louisville arrived at, as gunshots were still being fired inside Old National Bank and exchange fire with the shooter. Louisville Metro Police Department Deputy Chief Paul Humphrey said at a news conference earlier it wasn't clear whether the shooter killed himself or was shot by officers, but we we won't know. Uh, We believe, quote, we believe this is a lone gunman involved in this and did not have a connection to the bank. We're trying to establish what that connection was to the business, but it appears he was a previous employee. Nine people, including two police officers, were treated for injuries from the shooting University of Louisville Hospital spokeswoman Heather Fontaine said in an email, one of the officers was in critical condition. She said at least three patients had been discharged. Uh, An emotional Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear 
said he lost friends in the shooting in the building on East Main Street, not far from the Louisville Slugger and Waterfront Park. He said, this is awful. I have a very close friend who I didn't make it today, another close friend who didn't make it. I mean, it's, you know, look, we're all going to get drawn into this. It's tragic. But the real tragedy is that everybody is chasing the wrong reason that we have so many of these shootings. They just keep happening over and over and we keep seeing them and it just raises the temperature in the room. But nobody seems to want to talk about the real issue, which I believe is behind these shootings. And it's twofold. One is it's mental illness. And two, it is mental illness addiction. In other words, the way we treat people with mental illness exacerbates the issue. We've got a situation where people are being treated with psychotropic drugs. Psychotropic drugs have side effects. They are usually life sentence prescriptions. In other words, you're going to have to start taking them and you'll never get off of them. Because if you do, you run the risk of having uh, anxiety or a heightened mental illness. Isn't that, isn't that something? You take a drug for to treat something, but if you get off of the drug, then it makes what you're treating more worse, more severe. But because of the, the way that we have laws set up in our country, you can't know what a person is, is getting treated for. It's HIPAA laws. It's privacy, confidentiality between you and your doctor. Oftentimes, the doctors don't even know because they only know you when you come in and they get your file. And and, and by the way, everything that I'm talking to you about, I've had personal experience with. I, I've had so many family members that have dealt with mental health issues. It's just, don't, don't even question what I say because you're just an idiot. In fact, I would say that most people who think that guns are the problem are idiots as well. And they refuse to look at the fact that our big pharma and our pharmaceutical industry has destroyed the mental health of millions and millions of Americans. And they do it all of the time. And they act like they know what they're doing. Have you watched the TV commercials? Have you seen how many commercials there are for drugs, for all kinds of afflictions? It never ends. And, and a little later, we're going to talk about Bob Kennedy because it, it's tied together. He's one of the few people that actually on principle agrees with what I'm talking about. But it is so related to everything. And we are never, the politicians use these murders, these killings as a way of justifying gun control. There is no evidence that, that killings decrease when there are less guns in the general population. None. In fact, there's, there's always going to be a way to find a way to kill somebody if you want to kill somebody. If you're mentally deranged, the a lack of access to guns is not going to prevent you from inflicting harm. We've seen a rise in stabbings in places like England and France. They cannot be disputed. In Tokyo, China, usually stabbing is the weapon of choice but you can't ban knives. Well, you can try. They tried. They tried banning certain kinds of knives and weapons. Uh, you know, length, you could have only a certain length of knife, but it doesn't take more than six inches to pierce the chest of a human being and, and bring their heart beating to an end or to cut a vein, uh, you know, or cut an artery. It doesn't take much. 
but yet these politicians will use these deaths. Uh, you know, Kamala Harris was in Nashville. I mean, she might as well just head up to, you know, Louisville and give a big hug to the governor and tell her how much she's sorry that uh, they have lax gun control laws. And that's why everybody's getting shot. It's not going to address the issue because, like I said, there are more and more people that are being treated with psychotropic drugs that have side effects oftentimes that end with violent eruptions. The uh, transgender, you know, it, it would be equally as stupid to ascribe these shootings to transgenders except for the commonality that they too are treated with drugs that cause personality disorder affliction. Causes anxiety. Oh, too much anxiety. And you see your mental health doctor every month and they ask you these questions. Well, how are you feeling about this one? Does this, does this pill, uh, does this Depakote help you? No, it, it gives me the jitters. Okay, well, I'm going to give you this tranquilizer and that'll offset the, the feeling that you get from the other drugs that are supposed to help you sleep at night. Or maybe you need some uppers to go with the downers that we gave you last month when you came by. It's always the same. Shove this in your mouth and I'll see you in a month. Cha-ching, cha-ching, because not only does that mental health professional get paid about $65 an hour for seeing you, the administrative assistant that takes your information and puts it in your file also gets paid about $30 an hour. Then the pharmaceutical company gets their cut because they get a percentage of, you know, obviously you're dispensing their drugs, so they get a profit. You have to buy the drugs from them at a preset price agreed upon by the government. You see what I'm saying? And then, oh, of course, there's the state, which gets its cut because it has to process and maintain control over the mental health of any county. All counties have a mental health department, and they are run, and they are a state agency. And they are the ones that get the funding to pay the big pharma to come in with the drugs that go into the patient's heads. And you know it and I know it. California is almost, that's why they're having the homeless problem that they're having. Because these people that are dealing with addiction are being treated with prescriptions and they love them. They want more prescriptions. My God, if you went and saw the average person on a street and homeless and asked them, how many drugs do you take a month? How many prescriptions are you allocated every single month? And they'll tell you they have one, two, three, maybe five different concoctions that they have to down. And that's because they're being treated for addiction. Not even their mental health issues that arose because of the addiction. And this is why we're, this is why we're having the shootings. Those people can get guns. They have access to guns. The Audrey Hale that shot Six people last week in Nashville, she had access to guns, but she was being treated because she was transitioning and she was giving drugs that were blocking her estrogen or increasing her horm hormones. Why doesn't anybody want to talk about this? Why is it that our society is so afraid to look truth square in the face and say, this is what we're doing wrong and maybe we need to fix it? Is it because of the stockholders? Is it because of the billionaire profits, the billionaires that get created by, by licensing these drugs that have so many side effects? This is just crazy, folks. Speaking Out continues.
Welcome back to Speaking Out. JR here, and my guest this segment is Kevin Stockland. He is a writer, a film producer, and former investment banker. He wrote and produced We All Fall Down, The American Mortgage Crisis, a 2008 documentary on the collapse of the U.S. uh, mortgage finance system, and we all know about that. Uh, He is also behind a great movie, essentially, that you can watch on the Epoch Epoch Times. Here's a clip from that which is called The Shadow State. Listen to this. It's a framework for assessing risk. It's a complete fraud. It's much more of a risk mitigation tool. It's a fraud because it's not better for shareholders. It's not better for stockholders. Our research shows that companies that do well on ESG end up doing better or fail less. A movement has been growing to unite corporations, governments, and global institutions Its purpose is to deal with issues like climate change, racism, inequality, and gun control. It is called ESG. If you can control the financial markets, if you can control the access to capital, you can dictate to any industry in the United States the way things are going to be run. And that's a clip from that, uh, which sounds real good, too. Let's uh, bring in Kevin Stockland, who's behind that, along with Epoch TV. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for having me on. Now, did you produce that, what we just heard? Or was that you? I I did, yes, uh, in conjunction with uh, the Epoch Times. uh, And I wrote it and uh, conducted the interviews as well. And how how new is that? If we went on and watched it, how old is that that you just produced? Oh, it was just released in November, so it's very current. Um, we have one of the uh, one of the uh, speakers on it is um, Vivek Ramaswamy. He's now running for president, and so he's brought a lot of these issues to light. So I, I would say it's very current. It's it's interesting because we, here we have a uh, a movement that's occurring in our industries that it's not for profit; it's actually anti profit. How did how did we get to this stage now where you have these? ideological Puritans who've, who've managed to get in the Biden administration, hedge funds, and Wall Street managers who handle large amounts of money. How did we get to the point where these people are now calling the shots on what is considered proper business? And explain to me how ESG works. Yeah, well, uh, this goes back, you know, fundamentally to the progressive ideology, which believes that the purpose of government is not to defend our rights as our founders believe, but to to do things. And so the ESG movement dates back to 2005, and it basically came out of a a brain trust at the United Nations that said it's not enough that governments follow these progressive, uh, this progressive agenda, but we want to get the private sector on board too. We want to get companies to get behind this. And in many cases, we want companies to do what governments are not legally allowed to do in terms of surveillance and violating civil rights laws and, and um, collusive behavior and that sort of thing. So those are the roots of it. And then it, it kind of uh, got the support of the World Economic Forum, where political leaders and CEOs get together once a year in Davos and they decide, you know, what our, our our future should be in terms of energy policy, in terms of racial equity and all this sort of stuff. And um, they were able to get major asset managers on board, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, but also the big banks, J.P. Morgan, Citi, 
Bank of America. Um, and collectively, uh, these are the largest shareholders in about 90% of the S&P 500 companies. And so they are able to use uh, their voting shares uh, and, and their ownership in these companies to arm twist CEOs and executives of all sorts of companies from Disney to Exxon to all down the road to go along with this agenda. Uh, wow, there's so many different questions I could ask you. So this is what led to sort of the Dylan Mulvaney on Bud Light cans. It's sort of the same thing, isn't it? Because basically there was a marketing director, very woke, who wanted to introduce this. She takes it to the board of, of whoever, Anheuser-Busch, whoever sits on the board, and says, you need to do this so that you can, quote, authentically connect with your, you know, your consumers. But that turned out being a big mistake because now Budweiser lose, losing all this money. But that's sort of the same thing, right? And you've got this ide ideological Puritans coming in, telling businesses what they need to do. At some point, they could actually convince, I think they could draw up some sort of policy that says that ground beef is no longer legal because it contributes to climate change and, and they could use, they could extort ground beef producers into going into that direction of almost meat or impossible burger or whatever. Isn't, isn't that the end game is to tell us what to eat, how to live. And, and, and like you yeah, say, I mean, right. It, it is very much. I mean, beef is a big problem for this movement because, you know, cows emit uh, CO2 apparently, so they definitely want to target the beef industry. But, you know, what's going on at Bud Light is, is, is just an example. You know, Disney is doing very much the same thing with all of their content. They're sexualizing it. Uh, they're introducing CRT ideology into children's programming. Um, none of this is good for shareholders. They lose subscribers. They lose customers. Um, they're not doing it. The CEOs are no longer managing companies for the benefit of shareholders. They are managing companies to comply with this ideology. And there's all sorts of things that they get for how compliant they are. So Standard & Poor's, uh, Morningstar, there's other agencies, and they rate these companies, how compliant they are with the, the, whole, uh, the whole ESG agenda. And this is really what CEOs are now managing companies in compliance with, not for shareholders. And the reason this matters, not just, you know, because of companies and customers and, you know, that we're, we're getting this sort of treatment, but the reason this matters is for our pension money and our retirement. We're all invested in the shares of these companies. And so we rely on their equity value to fund our retirement and our savings and all of this. And to the extent that they're hurting shareholders, they're hurting us. They're hurting our ability to have enough money to retire on. But the Biden administration is actually pushing this. So they, there's a, you know, a new regulation that the Biden administration has implemented that basically says you are now allowed to manage pension money for the very first time according to ESG criteria, not just for a return to shareholders, but how compliant it is with ESG. So government regulations themselves are helping to push this as well. So this means that if you're part of a union, your union is taking your money that is going into mutual funds and allocating it to companies or corporations that are, they have the woke seal of approval, right? Yeah, that has just been greenlighted by the Biden administration. And you, you might've read the news on this. There was a bipartisan consensus in Congress to push back against this. And Biden used his very first veto to override yeah. that. 
And the whole, you know, this all comes down to a law called ERISA that was written back in the 70s. And it basically said pension money can only be invested to maximize the return for retirees, pensioners, etc. And the reason this law was passed was there was all sorts of misuse of funds. The mob was using money to lend money to their friends and buy houses in Florida and all sorts of corruption going on. And the Biden administration has now opened up a new loophole in this ERISA law to allow pension money now to be invested for ideological causes and climate change and racial equity and all these other things, in addition to uh, generating return for retirees. That's amazing. Listen, we're out of time this time, Kevin. Kevin Stockland, go watch his uh, now on Epoch Times TV, The Shadow State, or get his book, which is We All Fall Down, The American Mortgage Crisis. This man's on the cutting edge of what you need to know about to save your money, especially for your retirement. Kevin, I'm, I'm so sorry that our time is short. We'll have you on again, and I appreciate you stopping by here on Speaking Out. Welcome back to Speaking Out. I'm JR. It's good to have you here. Don't forget, we have a website, which is chock full of articles about, oh, just stuff going on in America. Speaking out about that. Oh, unique articles and links and stuff. Plus the archived podcasts are there. Speakingoutamerica.com. And you can also uh, check it out. You can email me through that same website, which is speakingoutamerica at gmail.com. And I want to thank Kevin for joining us again. It's all sort of loosely tied together, isn't it? And it just gets crazier as they say, what was that line in uh, a few good men, that a few good men, the hits just keep on coming. I mean, you know, like what I do, and maybe I shouldn't do this, but as I'm scrolling, we all do it. Now we look, we watch the news and we go through our Twitter feeds or our getter feeds or our whatever feeds that we have. And, what I do is if I see an article that I think is, is good, maybe something good to talk about, uh, then I'll forward it to my email. And I've got a whole list of great stuff to talk about. And, uh, and, and I just, like I said, I couldn't wait to get on the radio and talk about some of it. So let me talk about some of it as I, as I foil through. Uh, uh, we got one here. The COVID-19 state of emergency expired in Los Angeles. And they're going to keep it going anyway. Why? Because they have a new emergency. The emergency of homelessness. They have too many people homeless. So Karen Bass, the L.A. mayor, has declared a state of emergency over the homeless crisis. She compared the declaration to the one that they declared back in 1994. I haven't been out to California since after COVID-19. And I'm glad because I saw it coming. You know, when I grew up in LA, downtown, the MacArthur Park area, I guess it would have been the West Hills area or something like that, along Wilshire Boulevard near the Bonaventure. That was my, uh, my high school wasn't too far from that, that spot. And I would walk a lot as a teenager growing up in a poor house. We did not have a car it wasn't that uncommon for people to not have vehicles. If you lived in LA, they had a pretty comprehensive bus system. So you could get around if you had to, 
But I got my visions. I got to see a lot of what the homeless living under the freeway, you know, on car- cardboard or old, you know, houses that were dilapidated and hadn't been destroyed yet. You could, as I'd walk to the store, I was just a curious teenager. I'd walk as much as I could. I love walking. But I got to see a lot of life up front. A lot of homeless back then in the 70s and 80s. But now they've got streets, entire blocks that look like Skid Row. And the problem is, is because the city leaders, they won't kick people out if they have a tent. And once you have a tent, you can have your chair and your bed and your pillows and what little belongings that you can carry. And that's your house. And you don't pay rent. And it's probably against the law to complain uh, because the homeless are considered victims, victims of their own bad mistakes and choices. But a lot of these people that are homeless are addicted. Uh, you know, mental illness and addiction issues are sometimes almost impossible. And we talked about this a couple segments ago. You know, the problem of mental health is not being cured by our mental health experts. You can draw a distinct correlation between treating the way that we treat mental health with gun violence. Gun, by the way, guns are not violent. Okay, people are violent, and it just breaks my heart. It truly breaks my heart for the people who live in L.A. Once a beautiful city, they say that there's forty-two thousand people that are homeless. I would venture to say there's probably two hundred thousand. But it's not always the same because if if they were to do things that would help them get off the street, like forcing them to get off the street, face, face jail time, that might actually rehabilitate some of these people or force their in-laws to take them in and deal with them. Because it's, sometimes it's, it's an in-law issue or it's a family issue. I mean, if you think about it, I, and again, who doesn't know somebody who is suffering some, from some form of, of mental illness. And also when you're younger, this is the other thing, the un, un, unspoken truth. A lot of younger people, when they first get out of college or they first get out of high school and they get caught up in drugs and alcohol and they hang around with other people, you know, homelessness for them is, is a transitory state. They might be homeless for a little while and they'll get tired of it and they'll realize, well, I don't want to live like this. And then they'll get out of it. It's not as if there's a static number of homeless people or it's a permanent life situation for many, but there are some that as time continues and they get treated. Like I knew a man who in order to deal with his, his heroin addiction, he had to get on methadone, but he was on methadone for five years and he was now addicted to methadone because it handled his ability to deal with heroin. So he wasn't really being cured. He was being treated, but he wasn't being cured. And that's the problem with our government period, is that things are not cured. They are just treated, and it, the treatment never ends. And the other issue here is, I think, and no one else is saying this, but Sigmund Freud really did a number on us, didn't he? If you listen to the way young people talk, think about that new Budweiser, Dylan Mulvaney stunt that, by the way, has cost them <laughs> so much money. The the whole point of that is that there's a term that they use. They wanted to authentically connect 
authentically connect. Where have you ever heard that kind of vocabulary? That's right. Your neighborhood, uh, your neighborhood shrink. Who is your authentic self? And this has led to, of course, the rise in all of these identity dysphoria situations. It's almost as if we, you know, there was an article I read over the weekend. Americans and, and people in the West, they ran out of having real problems. And so they just make up problems. And they need something to believe in, so they start to become activists for these, what they call, injustices. You know, they see somebody who is a homeless person, and they naturally assume that that person followed the rules and did everything right, and they're just a victim of capitalism. So we're going to take care of that person for the rest of their life. And it reminded me of an Instagram thing that I saw recently where there's a clip from an old John Wayne movie. And I don't know what the movie is is called, but essentially it comes down to this. Uh, There's a little boy who doesn't know how to swim. And so the John Wayne character picks up the boy and throws him in the river. And, of course, the mother comes and says, he doesn't know how to swim. He doesn't know how to swim. And, And the John Wayne character says, well, he'll learn. And then a moment later, the boy learns how to swim. And that's the way they used to do it. They would throw you in and you would learn how to swim or you would die. Many people today, I I think about this often. I don't know how they, I don't know how their ancestors survived. Most people today would not be able to survive if, if they had no, if they just were out in the middle of the jungle, they would die. They would, they, they would panic and they would die. And the reason they would die is because they have no survival skills. To them, everything is dangerous and everything is unsafe and they must hide. Isn't that interesting? They have to hide and they hide in their homes and they hide with their friends and they hide in social media and they hide in all these places because they, they can't take the stress of life. And, and, and it's, by the way, it's not their fault. And that's always the situation. It's never their fault. When Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez sees someone who's poor and living on the street, the first thing she assumes, oh, it's the government's fault. We need to fix this. And this is what Karen Bass is going through. And this is why Karen Bass will always have a homelessness problem, because she caters to the idea that these people cannot do it themselves. So we have a nation of people who cannot fend for themselves. They must be dependent on the government. And that's why we're having the problems we're having today. We're not holding the right people accountable. I'm JR, Speaking Out America, continues. I will tell you that I find such great comfort in old classic rock, don't you? No matter how crazy it gets, just throw something like this on and you got Led Zeppelin and all the, all of a sudden you're back in 1976, you know? When life was well, life wasn't pretty back then. Actually, in the mid-70s, I, I I tend to remember things were a little dirty 
back then. Uh, and then things got cleaned up. You know, but that was the era of Carter. Uh, that was the era of smog, you know, so smog in L.A. Anyway, uh, so a lot, interesting articles uh, I did want to share with you. Here's one. OK, so here's one. Uh, religion under attack. California suspends meal funding for Christian preschool over stance over gender and sexuality. Let's see if this actually allows me into the story. It just goes, just goes to show you how far people are willing to go. San Diego County Christians Preschool is suing the state of California for pulling the plug. This is the state. The state of California pulling the plug on the school state meal funding, saying its traditional stance on gender and sexuality violated a new state law. The Church of Compassion's Day Springs Christian Learning Center, a preschool and daycare in El Cajon, California, serving nearly 90 students, filed a lawsuit on uh, March 15th for deprivation of the free exercise of religion and deprivation of free speech, as well as alleged hostility against religion. The school received a letter from the state social services department last October denying its application for continued meal funding, saying the school stance on marriage and sexuality violated a new state law. Dayspring's 21-page employee handbook requires staff to, quote, model Christ-like behavior and prohibits, quote, living with someone with whom you are not married, homosexuality, lesbianism, or any behavior that is deemed not to conform to the Bible. According to the department's letter, these actions show intent to discriminate against individuals based on sexual orientation and gender identity in violations of state law. If the school wants to continue with the meal funding programs, department officials said it would have to, quote, cease requiring individuals to sign or abide by the staff's handbook or any other employment policy, which specifically disallows lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender lifestyle as a as a condition of employment. So they get meals deprived for the kids because their handbook, their employee handbook at this church, which is basically a Christian school for youth. Uh, and now the state of California is, is saying, we're not going to give you free stuff. You know what? This is what they should do. Stop taking their meals. Just don't do it anymore. Make a big deal about it. And, and I guarantee you, you'll have more meals than you know what to do with. Because, see, the people on the right, the people that understand why this church is doing what it's doing and not getting into the, you know, argument about inclusion and exclusivity and all this tolerance nonsense that people talk about. The people know why that they're trying to protect their children from the cultures of uh, the cultural trends of today because they don't want their children growing up with confused ideas about who they are and what they like and what their body looks like. And this is what has to be avoided. If those, if the state, this is a good lesson for them. They could sue the state and they'll probably lose. And the reason they'll lose is because this is a good case that could set precedent for every other Christian school to be forced or to be denied certain things because of their stance on homosexuality. And so the only answer is to separate. Don't take their food. Don't. Don't take their food. Take it to your constituents. Take it to your flock. Take it to the people who, the parents. Tell the parents to bring bring their own damn food. You know, when I was in soccer, every week a different parent who had a kid would bring refreshments after the game. We didn't need the state to do it for us. You know, I, I get I get some of the stuff, but the thing is, the the state giveth and the state taketh away. And the sooner you realize that, 
the quicker you'll stop asking the state for things. Do not ask the state for anything. I ran across another article, which is interesting for two reasons. One, because it taught me something I didn't know about current events in China. And two, it taught me about something about Americans. In China, they're trying to uh, get the young people out of the cities. There's just too many young people. They are, they're going through college and in, in places like Shanghai and uh, where else? Beijing. And there aren't enough jobs. And so these kids are living at home with their parents and they're not really producing much for Chinese society. Now, what the government is trying to do is encourage Chinese young people to go back out into the country and uh, have kids and make lots of kids and develop a life there. Go be a leader. Go into the villages and become somebody. Now, they tried to do this in also the 60s, the Cultural Revolution, and they were able to force young people to do it. They could just send them out. They would just re-education, send them back out to the fields. And a lot of these millions of them were just were not prepared. It's kind of what I was talking to you about before. They were used to city life. So when you send them back out to the country, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to grow food. Uh, they don't know how to fend for themselves. And they became, they become, you know, dissatisfied with their life. Now, what's interesting about the article, and I read it in the Epoch Times over the weekend, is that the Chinese government can't do what they did in the mid-60s because they know that if they forced young people into the villages, what do they say, up the mountain and down into the something, valleys, they would, they would be faced with a revolt. Isn't that interesting? The Chinese government is now afraid of its people. It knows that there are too many of them, and they can't really try to pull a fast one like they did in the mid-60s with the cult cultural revolution. The army swelleth over, if you know what I mean. So they're trying to be nice about it. Oh, well, if you go to the village, and, and it reminded me, you know, in the early part of American history, one of the ways to entice people to move west was that the U.S. government would give away land, lots of it, acres of it. In fact, I just learned recently that the term Sooners, which is applied to people in Oklahoma, is a name that the Sooners got because when the federal government said, go west and we'll give you land, we'll sell it to you a dollar an acre, whatever it was, real cheap, and we'll start the bidding September 1st. Well, there were a lot of people that said, forget about waiting till September, I'm going now. And they were called the Sooners because they were there sooner than the others. <laughs> anyway, I thought, you know, that would be a real good lesson for us to learn. Maybe we should try to get some of these woke people out of the cities and into the countryside. And I think we should be teaching children how to raise, grow food. It, there's nothing more. I, I know that people would disagree with me on this, but the human body was made naturally to uh, grow food, work in the garden. And it wouldn't be a bad idea, I think. It would teach people a good life experience if they learned what life was like out in the countryside, where they could see the stars at night, where they weren't always busy with all these distractions and joining protests and doing all these things. Remember when we started the, the program, Americans and, and even people in Europe were spoiled. We have it too good for us. And that's why we behave the way that we do, like spoiled children. Because we are spoiled children. So much so that even our federal government, 
Federal agent science agencies, gender and race speech codes face criticism. That's right. The National Institute of Standards and Technology uh, now has a new speech directive for scientists, and they've come under fire for embracing critical race theory and gender ideology ideas. Listen to this. This is from Just the News. The Center Square recently reported inclusive language guidance, which tells scientists which words or phrases they can or cannot use. For example, they can't tell federal employee they want to tell federal employees to avoid using the term blacklist or whitelist because of the racial connotations and also cautions against using terms that assign a gender to inanimate objects such as male female connectors. Have you ever heard that? You know, you go into like if you're a musician and you want to go get a, a chord for your guitar, it's usually a he with a he at the other end that goes into the amp, a he he. <laughs> but you can't do that anymore because that would be offensive. <laughs> I'm telling you, we have way too much time on our hands. You know how much it's going to cost a taxpayer for the, what is it called? The National Institute of Standards and Technologies, otherwise known as, what is it? NIST, Inclusive Language Guidelines. You know how much it's going to cost them to overhaul in, in $1.65 billion? Whew. Just something else. That's how much they spend every year to make sure we use the right words. And then it just, again, it shows you where we're at as a country. It shows you where we're at as a culture. We're focused on the wrong things. You've heard, I'm sure that you caught wind, that China spent, uh, sent 17 F-15 or whatever they're equivalent of the F-15 jet that we have over to Taiwan. They're doing practice runs. We're focused on gender terms and they're focused on practice runs. And they're also doing it to, I believe, intimidate the hell out of the Taiwanese. They're telling the Taiwanese, your time is up. Remember when they first started infiltrating Hong Kong, right after Hong Kong got I guess, returned to China after being under British rule. You remember how long it took before they started instituting rules against certain kinds of speech? Then they started putting up Beijing would send its own candidates. Then they made rules where you couldn't vote for a certain candidate unless it was approved. You know, this is what's happening in our country right now. We are, we are falling into a death trap where we're so self-obsessed, obsessed with our own needs and wants that we're forgetting about the rest of the world and the rest of the world is being gobbled up by China. It's going to do it for yours truly. Stay tuned. More great conversation on crntalk.com. And thanks again. Don't forget our website, speakingoutamerica.com. I'm JR. See you tomorrow.